Do you know the history of Cheers? The word Cheers? Yeah. Oh, uh, no. So with Cheers, people would Cheers people. And a part of the Cheers, and when you look at a lot of pictures of people Cheersing and you watch videos, a little bit of the alcohol from their glass goes into yours. A little bit of yours goes into theirs. Okay. And this is from when people used to poison people. Uh, oh. So okay. you would Cheers somebody to let them know, I'm not poisoning okay. you. Welcome to the Grubthusiast Grubcast where we're on a mission to find the best places to eat, drink, and have a good time. And occasionally, we get to sit down with some of the amazing food artists that make that possible. Thank you for listening as usual. If you like what you hear, don't forget to like and subscribe. It really helps out the show. Okay, get ready. This is part two of the Riviera Supper Club show with DJ Mole. We talk craft cocktails. We talk tequila. We talk our favorite whiskeys, and we introduce me to mezcal. Yeah. And uh, what, so we're just going to drink while we're talking. Yeah, let's yeah. do that. What is yeah. this? This is the Four Roses Yellow Label Bourbon. When it comes to like a good bourbon, like a go-to, just a working horse, Four Roses is one of my favorites. Okay. There's very few distilleries nowadays that don't do a lot of different things. Like they have a rye, they have a bourbon, they have a vodka, they have all these different like flavored things. Yeah. Four Roses just does Four Roses. They just do bourbon. Yep. They just do bourbon. They have a single barrel. They have a small batch, and they have the yellow label. Well, now it's not yellow label anymore. It's just their bourbon flagship. But they've made they've made bullet bourbon for them before. Like they've done yeah. a lot of contract bourbons yeah. where they make a lot of different um, different bourbons for different people. But they just do it good. Just, are, are you a whiskey guy? I I'm an alcohol guy. Oh, wow. okay. <laughs> Got it. I, that's my background. I I for a long time, like I was saying, is I just studied a lot of alcohol and I've dr- drank a lot of alcohol. Yeah, there was a bar. Won't say the name of the bar, but there was a bar in San Francisco that I worked at that had one of the biggest selections in the world. And uh, the rule at the end of the night was you had to be able to close down your well, so you had to be able to close down your station when you were working, but you could drink anything you wanted on the back bar. So at night, myself and all of our coworkers, we would just grab bottles, try them, talk about them, and we would drink maybe you know thirty ounces of alcohol a night. I'd close down Whoa. our wells, but we would drink about a bottle a night, yeah. and it got to a point where, I mean, we were getting very drunk for a while, but it was more for the sake of learning. Yeah. I would say. Sure. Yeah, research. Uh, yeah, research. Yeah. Gotta have to research. where I, uh, we drank a lot of bourbons, we drank a lot of scotches, we drank a lot of gins, a lot of rums. Um to where now I feel like I have a lot because of that amazing experience. Uh I have a lot more knowledge just from drinking with all these knowledgeable people and just learning, reading. Um but what I drink the most of I would say is probably bourbon, just whiskey in general. But I drink a little bit of everything. I just did this show. If you if you saw this one, this was talking about the Westward. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, the, that one. And then I also did. I went to a party that was put on by Westward at Stancia in La Jolla, mm-hmm. and it was a whiskey event. They had live music. They had dancers. They had uh, they had amazing barbecue. Amazing barbecue. Let me show you this video just quickly. Yeah, <laughs> because it was a great party. I mean, it really was. Let me see if I can get back to wherever I need to be here. Oh, here we go. What's your go-to? Okay, I'm okay. So as a kid, as a young man, uh, I had friends of mine who drank a lot of Black Label, and they drank Black Label, and they drank uh, McCollin, like a older, a newer McCollin, uh-huh. and they drank a thing called Buchanan's. Yeah, Scotch. Buchanan yeah. Scotch, and and I used to they used to order it. They go down to a place and say, "Can I have the Bucanas?" Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, Bucana, uh, so I went to a, a store one time and I said, hey, can I get the Bucanas? And they were like, we don't, what are you talking about? Yeah. And so it was Buchanan's. Yeah. But, I, but the, way they, <laughs> the way they pronounced it, it I, didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. So anyway, I went to this whiskey party. Oh, okay. Let me answer your question about my, my go-to. Before I did the show with Westward, it was Talisker, a 10-year-old Talisker oh, yeah. whiskey. Talisker 10 is huge. Talisker is, is a great bottle of whiskey. However... After the Westward experience, man, it's 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 very it's a different bottle. But I'll say it's a great bottle. Westward has a great great place. I mean, great great bottle of whiskey. It's a it's a really delicious thing. 
So, um, but but Talisker is probably in the top three of my whiskeys. As far as uh, overall, I don't have a Talisker is the is like a it's an island scotch. I think it's like from from sky. I love sky. Yeah, and it is. to me, it's like a roller coaster. Yeah. It's not one dimensional at all. It's not one of those whiskeys that tastes like caramel or it tastes like peat or that tastes like it's, you know, it's not acrid. Mm-hmm. It's, it's all of them. Yeah. It's, it's, it's all sweet. It's sweet. It's, I, and I use the word smooth with my buddy, Whiskey Kuya, who is a whiskey, whiskey expert. And he was like, well, smooth can be different for everybody. Now, yeah, it, it can be. It yeah. can be. You have people that will be drinking Laphroaig and say, oh, it's smooth as, as I'll get yeah. out. And you try it and you're like, I just <laughs> felt like I yeah. just. Like dip my tongue in an ashtray. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So here, this is well. Let me let me start this again for you because it's it's a very beautiful video. Mm-hmm. And this is the party. That yeah, that's through. Yeah, that's the whiskey party at uh, Estancia, and they had some amazing barbecue. Really nice. Mm-hmm. Amazing barbecue. A multitude of wines and whiskeys. Great little event center area. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. That it, I'm looking there. They're pouring a few different whiskeys in there so it wasn't just highlighting the uh the westward no it was highlighting all of them. no but by far westward is my favorite really it was yeah it was out, it's so nice is there a specific like barrel cask that you like i liked the uh the wine one it was a wine and it was also that they have one that's uh 120 proof yeah that's like a little a barrel hard. proof it's it is exactly what mm-hmm. it is and uh th- that's even delicious that's that's huge for a lot of whiskeys and and it's something that is so when you get into like mezcal, I, like that's when I what I said earlier, where I drink more whiskey than anything. I think that now that I say that, it's I probably drink more mezcal than anything else. Really? Yeah. But I, I need to I need information because oh well I yeah. got a guy okay. I got a guy yeah. and yeah. so the the actual producer for uh, Oriana Raiz and Dish Bay mezcal is here in San Diego for the next I think like two months. Okay. And him and his family make some of the best mezcal in that you've ever had and ever will have. Okay, so but, let me let me tell you where I'm at with mezcal. Okay, I'm a tequila guy. I can drink tequila. Yeah, and there are various tequilas that can be had. Mm-hmm. But something about the mezcal that I've had, they're just too smoky for me. Uh huh. And that's where I leave it. I haven't gone around to all the different varieties and different bottles. I've had maybe three. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the mezcal that there is. I think it depends on which mezcal you're drinking first. There's some that are overly smoky, and there's some of them that are that they'll be too light, so to say. But if you're talking to a like somebody like a producer that makes mezcal, um, a lot of it isn't necessarily that it is going to be too smoky. It's just that's just the flavor of that one. And yeah. But when you get into a lot of the well ones, I, when I say well, I mean like the cocktail mezcals. I hate to say the word well, but the ones that you would use in a cocktail because they're priced accordingly to use yeah, in yeah, a cocktail. Yeah. Um, a lot of them do taste overly smoked, so to say, to where, and it stands up more in a cocktail to where it sure. can stand out a lot more and it tastes a lot uh, better, so to say, and you can taste a lot more of that flavor. But there's a lot of mezcals. That, Can I pour this? Yeah, oh, yeah. please. Um, there's a lot of mezcals that I would just not put in a cocktail. Uh, they're just way too complex. And when we get into... So let me let me finish real quick on the last thing why I brought up mezcal was... Sure. Um, so when we're... And now I, I can't remember what the first thing that I brought mezcal was... Uh, up for you, there was but, somebody in town for oh the, yeah well aziz is in town right now and we'll de- i'll definitely get you in contact with him um but mezcal is super complex uh the amount of like different flavor profiles that you have in wine is like in the hundreds the, the amount of flavor profiles that you have in coffee yeah. is in like the higher hundreds yeah. and in mezcal is in the thousands when they've done this research on mezcal okay and the whole production behind it is just, it's ridiculous. I go down to Oaxaca every year for about a week uh, just because I love Oaxaca and Mezcal so much. I've been going down there for about 10 years now um, and always at least a week. And I go to all the different, uh, they call them palenques, but the distilleries down there. And 
we'll go and taste all these different people's mezcal and bring some of them back with us. And it's taking me on so many amazing journeys deep in Mexico where, I mean, there is some that are going to be like more smoky. Some of yeah. them that are going to be a lot more sweet. Yeah. But when you like the whole experience with it, it's like, it's like saying that something doesn't taste good. Everything tastes good to an extent to uh, somebody. Yeah. It's just not necessarily like your cup of tea, but then you could have it in a different experience, in yes. a different scenario. Yes. And you're yes. like, Holy smokes. This is everything. Well, then I have to just say I'm, I'm ignorant. Because I, I, as far as it pertains I to... I say that all the time about myself. Well, as it <laughs> pertains to mezcal, I am ignorant. I just yeah. don't have any... I have no experience. I have, as I said, three. Yeah. And, I, I you know, things I drink are typically, like I said, whiskey of some kind. I don't drink a lot of beer. I'm surprised with you being, like, growing up drinking scotch that yeah. you're, that the mezcal isn't more of, like, uh, a thing that you're really into. It, it was weird because I said, like I was saying before, um, okay, I'll give you a perfect example. The first time I had Talisker. Mm-hmm. I just, I want to throw it away. Okay, uh, I went to the store, a fancy dance store, and uh, I went with my uncle who's from Mexico. We went to this place, and it was a place in in LA, Westwood Boulevard, fancy wine joint, whatever. So we go in there, and and I'm like, hey, you know, it's it's Thanksgiving. I had a little money, and I said, let's turn it up. You know, we always drink Black Label, or we drink uh, sometimes Red Label, or sometimes you know, Wilcan uh, Buchanan. See, I'm looking at mm-hmm. me. And so I said, you know, let's try Let's turn it up a little bit. Let's get a little McCollin. Someone said, hey, you should try this. You should try that. I had tried uh, various whiskeys, single malts, uh, blends. And I was like, no, it's, I'm, it's, I'm just good drinking uh, uh, Black Label on the rocks. It's just, I'm fine with it. So I, I said, I'm, I went to this place called Wally's on Westwood Boulevard. I knew the lady there. And she's like, hey, you know, what, what are you doing? I want to try, try something new. She, she suggested two whiskeys. I test. I, t- I tried them at the place, and I was like, eh, "They're fine." I mean, this, they're not, I mean, a little this. They lean one way or the other. So she says, "You know what? I have something for you. You should try Talisker." I'm like, sure, "Okay." She says, "This is it. You. This is the one for you." Okay. So I uh, take it home. My uncle Rick and I sit across from the table, like we normally do. Let's get some ice. And again, ice is the wrong way to serve Talisker in my mind. We go. We get the. Um, we get the ice. We put a little bit of ice in the glass. We take the, the, the talisker, we pour it over the top. And I take a sip of this. And it tasted to me like a, a taste of an ashtray. Yeah. That was my initial, because you know, I, ha- I, I have a weird sense of smell. I broke my nose several times playing sports. And I don't know if I got the sense of smell from that or I'm, I don't know what happened, but I have a, a very unique sense of smell. And it's, and it's not always good. You know, um, the sense of smell is uh, I smell awful things way more than other people. And I smell good things uh, sometimes more than other people. And I'll say, do you taste that thing? And they go, no, I don't taste that. And there'll be times where um, I'll say, do you smell that awful smell? And they go, what's, what's the problem? What would just stop? You know, yeah. you know, why you make it you a different deal? sensitivity? I have weird, weird. It swings both ways. Mm-hmm. So when I, dr- I tasted this talisker, I was like, no, this is terrible. It's, yeah. it's got, it doesn't remind me anything like what I had drank before. Mm-hmm. So I took it back to the store and I said, take this and give me something else. She said, how'd you serve it? I said, well, on the rocks. Oh, no, no, no. So I go, okay, how do you do it? She said, well, go back, take your glass and put a, just a drop of water, one drop into this glass, you know, of whiskey. Okay. I took it back. I said, by the way, that's impossible. That doesn't work. How, I mean, how did, one drop? Yeah. Okay. So I go home. We, Uncle Rick and I are sitting there across from each other. And we are taking a sip. And we're like, oh, man, this is really good. So as I continue to drink it, I started realizing that it, it, to me, takes me on a ride. That's how I describe it. It starts out one way. And then it changes. And then as you're, you're salivating and starting to introduce all that, that saliva from your, your palate, it, it, it actually gives you a little burn. It gives you a little smoke. It gives you a little sweet. It's taking you on this ride. And that's how I describe it. And that's what I look forward to now. When I, when I drink something, I'm like, what am I getting from it? What am, what, what am, I, am I getting that burn on the, on the palate? Am I getting that sweet on the tip of my tongue? Am, am I getting that what I call smooth? Uh, what is, what's smooth, right? Uh, it's the lack of being assaulted by whatever you're drinking. You know, yeah. a, some odd burn. Well, if any scotch, that if you, if you were drinking red and black label, and then any you were like, I want a scotch that's like it, but it's not like it. If the Talisker tasted like those, I'd take the Talisker back and be like, I want my money back. Exactly. Because those, I mean, when we're talking, no offense to Johnny Walker, 
it is like Johnny Walker Blue Label is the least expensive that you can buy a 50 year old scotch. It is. Now, have, I've had it once. Yeah. 35 years ago. It, I have no recollection of what it was like. We'll, we'll bore you a little bit of it. No, tell you know, me. You tell me. What, what is your perception of it? So Johnny Walker is a blended malt scotch. Okay. So with that, um, it's, it's, sorry, it's a blended scotch whiskey, not a blended malt scotch whiskey. I, I just, I, I worded it wrong. So it's different scotches that are blended together. And do you know the history of blending scotches together? I mean, how or why? Why? No. So they realized, kind of like with wine blending, um, they realized that you can take one scotch that isn't necessarily the best yeah. and another one that's not necessarily yeah. the best. Yeah. And you can mix them together and they make one that's not, not so bad. bad. Yeah. yeah. And so they started blending all these malts and, they, and then they realized they can get all these different flavor profiles and it can be something that's actually pretty dang good. Yeah. And Johnny Walker... Uh, Cuddy Shark. There's a few other ones. Uh, most blends like JB Doers, JB. Yeah. They're all blended Scotch whiskeys, um, which means that they have like they, it's not all malted barley. Okay. So Johnny Walker Red and Black are not all malted barley. It's not all the Scotch. Whereas like if you're drinking Macallan, it's all uh, it's it's all gonna be malted barley. Okay. It's all Scotch whiskey. Yeah. Those ones have neutral grain spirit in it. Uh, AKA like vodka or whiskey. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like bourbon or whatever. They have all these other things that are in there. And it's not, it's something that's kind of looked down from like people that are like, oh, I'm a single malt drinker. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, I only drink single malts. And this one has vodka in it or this one has bourbon yeah. or yeah. whatever whiskey yeah. that's not scotch in it. Um, but that's where Talisker is just amazing. And McAllen yeah. is known for doing. Their different aging process, like they use sherry casks, like way better in my opinion than almost anybody. Okay. Their their cask finishes that they do, uh, McAllen is just on it. That's you want a sweet like sweet scotch and uh, Highland already, so it's not smoky. Yeah. It's just a really approachable, easy drink and sweeter scotch. You go for the McAllen. That's why so many people yeah. love it. Yeah. No. Um. And then for Johnny Walker, it's just an easier approaching approachable scotch. Now, when we get into like the blue label, uh, the blue label, the thing that makes it so amazing is, well, first of all, the guys that are blending it are some of the best blenders in the world. Um, but also they have dead whiskeys in Johnny Walker blue. So you have 50 year old whiskey that when that batch of that whiskey is gone, you'll never have that whiskey again because it's a blend of all these like defunct distilleries that have been out of business for years and years that wow. you just can't buy a bottle of their whiskey because yeah. it's gone. But Johnny Walker owns enough of it and they have enough of it in their stock to where they'll put a little bit of it in this one, a little bit in this wow. one. So the amount of that like 50-year-old scotch yeah. is very small per yeah. bottle. Yeah. Maybe you get a drop or two. Yeah. I don't know the exact amount. Nobody does. But... It's the least expensive, even at like $40 or $200 a bottle, $40 a yeah. pour if you're going to a bar and yeah. drinking it. Yeah. Um, it's the least expensive that you can buy a scotch. Try finding a scotch that's 50 years old for less than that. I dare you. And if you do, buy all of it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, look, I was never, uh, never had deep enough pockets to get the blue label. We wanted it. We, wanted, mm -hmm. we even had the gold label at some point. Um, yeah, it was just it was unattainable. It was like an unobtainium. Yeah. You know, that's what it was like. Uh, like and that, that's for when I make it big. You know what? When man, I grow up, I'm going to have the blue label. Yeah, label. precisely. <laughs> and that's what we would, And it was, I think at times it was like $200 a bottle for yeah, a 750 that, that's what it is. Yeah. Still. And I, I just, no, I never had it. So when I, when I bought the Talisker, I was like, okay, this is something that I could get into for a reasonable amount, 70 bucks, you yeah. know, and I can get into this bottle. I can sip it and enjoy it. I can have a cigar with it. It's a combination of things. I think everything in life is a combination of things. Uh, you know, why do people like lobster tail, for example? You know, uh, because it's... Crustaceans it's, in general. <laughs> but it's like the idea of it. It's, it's like the idea of going to a restaurant and having this production, this shiny red thing come out on the, on the table. Mm -hmm. It has this certain look. It's got a certain smell. There's drawn butter. There's bread. It's like a production. It's, yeah. like, it's like having table-side mozzarella. Or like when you see fajitas come out of the oven. Have you heard of that? The fajita effect? No. Was, no. Every time you see, every, everybody, every place that has fajitas is always sizzling when it comes out of the kitchen. 
Yes. And it's sizzling yes. so that you look at it and you say, oh, man, I, I want, want that. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's like a whole show. It's exactly what yeah. this is. When it comes to this, it's strictly about the taste for me. It's, uh, so when you said mezcal, unfortunately, I've had such limited experiences with it. I honestly couldn't tell you. I, I, the only one I'm familiar with, I can remember is the one in the ceramic bottle. It's like a, it's like a, like Bonzol? a. I think it's yes. I think that's it. And there's a Z in there, but yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I'm going to tell you something else. Uh, through this conversation, you've actually opened my mind up to something else. A friend of mine, uh, through this Mexi Papa guy, mm-hmm. he's wants to have a spirit podcast. He wants to do, do spirits. Yeah. I think I want to talk to you about doing a spirit podcast. I would be down to talk to people. I mean, I I have a lot of experience in it. I will never be the person to say I know everything, but I can BS my way through just about any conversation. Well, you, well, see, uh, clearly I can too. Yeah. See? And the reality is that I don't I don't profess to, like you don't yeah. profess to be a master of anything, but uh, simply you're a master of what you like. Yeah. And, and there are going to be people that like me yeah. will agree with what I say. If I say, you know, Four Roses is delicious and they're yeah. going to taste it and go, ah, I don't really care for it. Or some people say, oh, this is delicious. That's, that's, you're going to find people who gravitate to what you like. Mm-hmm. But as it pertains to mezcal, I just don't have enough experience to be able to say, oh, I do not like it. The ones I have had, I do not like. But you, you're telling me there's a whole nother level, like whiskey, uh, that there is another level to have had. Oh, yeah. There's a few uh, Spears podcasts. One of them... Uh, bartender at large, Eric Castro does it out of San Diego and he does, he interviews bartenders and talks about things that are happening in the spirits world. I know they've won awards for being like, it's, it's a great show and it's a really cool thing to listen to. Uh, he interviews a lot of bartenders and stuff. Does a great job. Yeah. Um, I think that though having one where if you were to sit down with like brand representatives is what I would think would yeah. be well, yeah. where you sat down with like the dude that's, that is the spirits, uh, professional for, uh, Diageo, which is the parent company of like Johnny Walker. And you're like, okay. Hey, yeah. we want you to talk about, do a class on Johnny Walker for an hour and a half. And everybody can sit down and listen to Johnny, them talk about the history of Johnny Walker. And you could have different uh, spirits reps that sit down and interview them and talk to them. Because we have that once a month here for all the employees where we have a spirits rep come in. And this is one of the perks of working here at the Riviera. Yeah. You have a spirits rep. Just one. Just one of them. Just one of them. Spirit rep comes in, buys everybody lunch, and then it's all you can drink. And we talk and they learn about all the spirits in their portfolio. So you may have the guy from Johnny Walker that comes in, who's also, because it's the parent company is Diageo. So it'd be like bullet bourbon. It would be like crown Royal. It would be a lot of different spirits that they do. And he would come in and talk about all the spirits. Everybody gets to drink them, talk about them, enjoy them, eat some lunch. And then they all go along their day. We always do it on the days we're not open because we don't want people being drunk yeah. before their shift, yeah, yeah, but sure. usually it's on payday. So yeah, it's like, right. come in, yeah. get, collect your paycheck, and you get all you can eat food and all you can drink booze and learn a little bit while you're here, and also just hang out with all your homies. That's that's really the best part of it. But what I what I when I think about doing a podcast, I mean, the why I even do this one? I'm fascinated with the idea of food art. I am. And yeah. as far as uh, this too, I mean, uh, beverages of all kinds. I'm not the guy that's going to stand there next to the camera, you know, shaking his boba. You know, I'm not that guy. But I do, I love a, I love a cocktail. I love great food. I mean, you can tell. And I'm just thinking to myself, if I was to do something with liquor, you know, wine, uh, beer, uh, what would be my take on that? And my take, I think, is not so much about, I think it is a bit of education. Education in the sense that there, I believe that there's a place for everything, like you were saying before with mezcal. You may have something that may be very simple, maybe a basic liquor, but if you use it correctly, then you now have something else, like casadores, uh, tequila. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't really like to drink it, you know, like just by itself. But if you mix it with squirt soda and a squeeze of lime, and rim it with tahin or salt, it's an incredible paloma. Yeah. It's an incredible drink. 
Well, but, a but lot of that, though, also with Casadores, and this is like the educational thing, like yeah, you're talking yeah. about, where it's like, I don't know if I want to be educational, but like, that's all diffuser juice. So it's made in a huge vat, uh, and they have like a microwave that's like the size of our restaurant, okay. and they're cooking agaves that are... Uh, too young and too old. Not not necessarily a bad thing. There's a lot of bigger companies that do diffusers, yeah. but it's not like the stone ground, like the actual like artisanal form of tequila. It's diffuser juice. And tell me what that is, because I don't have any concept of what diffuser juice is. What is that? So it's cooked. The agaves, the agave hearts that they use yeah. to make the tequila are yeah. cooked in a diffuser, a giant microwave, so to say. For, okay, so so they get the, the agave. It's this uh-huh. thing about the size of a um, two soccer balls. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, I mean the the, agave, the agaves, yeah. the heart of it. Uh-huh. It's probably the size of a yeah. About two you know, a balls. beach ball, yeah, a sure. large beach ball, yeah, and this with all—it's it's the heart of the plant yep. cut with all Blue the leaves ever. cut off. Mm-hmm. I've seen them in like in those those promotional videos, sure, the ones where they're you know like a Starbucks does it, you know, the yeah. production a live crew with lighting. Yeah, there's a guy in there uh, in the you know uniform. He's roasting the agave hearts in a field. It looks very beautiful, picturesque. Uh-huh. But you're saying that they take these agave hearts, probably a lesser quality. Well, it's not, not necessarily, necessarily not lesser necessarily. quality. It's just a different way of getting them. Production. Of production. A mass yeah, production. Well, it's just mass production. It's what they have to do for a lot of the bigger ones. Yeah. But when we're talking about diffuser juice, we're also talking about huge brands like Casa Azul. It's one of the most expensive, the one with the bell on the top. Goes yeah, ding, yeah. Ding, ding. yeah, yeah. That's diffuser juice also. Um, there's a lot of the bigger brands that are all diffuser juice where the ones that are like... A lot of the time people taste them, they're like, this is too peppery. I don't taste, I don't like it. It's also because even though it says 100% agave, they only have to use 99% agave. So they can, it's like a weird law where they can put 1% of just caramel extract in there. When I dare you to taste any reposado next to the Casa Azul reposado and tell me that they are all aged at least a month or older. When you taste the Casa Azul, you're like, oh my god! Why is it so sweet? It's because they put additives in it. Is that like the come one and, that come and fight me, everybody? <laughs> <laughs> is that like the one that uh, what's his name, George Clooney had? George Clooney has Casamigos. It's gone. He sold it apparently. He had Casamigos. Yeah. So fantastic uh, marketing on that one too. I tasted it though. Yeah. So the marketing like went wrong. Because I didn't look, I don't like it. It's too sweet. Well, it tastes like tequila. But when you talk about it being too sweet, you look at who's drinking tequila. Tequila is the fastest growing. Well, agave is the fastest growing spirit in the history of spirits. Nobody's ever expanded at this, at this like amount in this amount of years ever. No, nothing more. Rum never expanded like this. Scotch, bourbon. Rye whiskey, nothing. The way that the agave spirits have expanded, and it's something that we could we could actually like get. I get the chills talking about it because it's it's an issue. People are drinking too much tequila to where they can't grow it fast enough. The average Blue Weber is four to six years old. So if it takes four to six years to grow that agave, and you have this this spirits category that's growing this much, they're like, we need more. We need what's going to happen. Well, what's going to happen is they're going to go and they're going to take the ones that aren't ready. They're going to take the ones that maybe are too much in this field of just like rolling hills of agaves. They're going to take all these agaves that maybe they've, they're just not good. They're going to say, screw it. We can't afford to not do it. We have to cook them. And that's something that the diffuser kind of helps to where the it just covers for all of them and they can use them all for tequila. Is, is it possible that they're also using non-agave? No, they they do not. It's all Ex- with agave, agave extract. Well, it's all that's with. It's all with agave. It's all with Blue Weber tequila. Now, uh, the way that the NOM system works and the way that they uh, regulate tequila, it is very regulated. Really? So, by yeah. who though? By, by the Mexican it, government. It's called. It's called NOM. Uh, I'm not as. Um, I don't know as much about it. I could get somebody. No, no, I don't, I don't want to pin you down on the politics but, of it. Yeah. I'm just wondering if you every you single to... tequila bottle, yeah. you can look at the back of it and yeah. there is, it says N O M. Yeah. And then it has a that. number and you can look that number up 
online and you'd be amazed how many of the tequilas are made in the same distillery and they have different names and different marketing yeah. where you'd be like, oh, well, this like like tequila that is super inexpensive is made in the same factory that this one that's $150 a bottle. And if it's all 100% agave, then why is this one 150 and this one's only $12? Yeah. Well, it's yeah. marketing, a lot of it. Yeah. If it's all 100% agave and it's all Blanco where it's not aged, how would it be any different? Well, it's that 1% of additives also. Yeah. Color. Yeah, but what's yeah. happening right now in Jalisco and in the town of Tequila and, and in Oaxaca also, it's huge, is the natural landscape that they have of this land is so different than it was 20 years ago. It used to be beautiful where they had these small agave fields and you yeah. had all these cactuses and all these different plants. They have a, a, all the birds that migrate through Mexico go through Oaxaca. And there's, there's so many, so many different like birds and, and then um, all the different insects that all grow on all the plants. Now, if you take all these plants and you uproot them and you just plant agaves, it changes their whole ecosystem. Yeah. It changes everything. Yeah. And you, that's what's happening right now in the, in in the, world of tequila is they're uprooting all these plants and they're just planting agaves because all the farmers know that's where the money is. Yeah. Why would I have all these cactuses? Why would I have all this other stuff? That's beautiful. Sure. And you may drive through there or, you know, you fly down there to go on a tour and you say, look at how amazing this is. You have as far as you can see agaves, but for their whole ecosystem, it's terrible. Yeah. And it's now it's now it's something to where it's all just clones of the plants that come yeah. off. Yeah. They don't even have plants that are just growing. Yeah. And it's a huge deal in Oaxaca for Mezcal because as big as tequila, tequila is a monster where Mezcal is so small. And you have all these farmers down in Oaxaca that are uprooting everything and just planting all these agave fields because yeah. they're like, well... I could even plant blue Webers and then somebody could come and grab them and then I can sell them for tequila and they're uprooting everything and planting all these agaves and it's all the insects are leaving. The bees are leaving that pollinate everything. The bees are, are not there and then the birds Jeez. aren't there and the insects aren't there and it's changing the whole structure of, of all of their agriculture there. You know, you, you just changed my show. You know that it's it's real. This no, is real. No, you stuff. you know you it's changed happening. my show, right? <laughs> I did not. No, know. you did. You single handedly changed my show. I'm gonna tell you how. I mean, we're getting real here, by the way. You, you brought up the the four roses. I'm I'm getting real here. Mm -hmm. I've done now probably 20 interviews, and uh, before that, I was just my wife and I talking. I, I've, I've heard a few of them. Yeah, they're good. Speaking of which, um, I did this place called uh, Flying F Ranch. They do um, Angus. They're right here in California mm -hmm. on the way to Ocotillo Wells. And they have probably 50 head of black Angus, most beautiful animals. I went out to this farm. This is about three years ago. I want you to remember what you're saying, though. Okay? Yeah. I want to tell you why you changed it. Um, I, 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 call, I interviewed them because I wanted to understand how we get beef. Uh, in my mind, because I live in you know, Escondido uh, Valley Center, this was like a foreign, like, what? You, you, right here, like 45 minutes from my house, you're growing uh, like a herd of black Angus on this little farm. It was amazing. But, but I want to say how you changed my show. I, I, I found this guy on Instagram and I contacted him and he's this well-to-do guy in LA. And he, all of his shows, he interviews people from the food industry, supposedly. So I contacted him and he says, he says I love collabs. Okay. I said, hey man, we, we, maybe we do a show together. I'm going to be in town soon. I want to do a show. Well, I've looked at all of his postings and his website, and I realized that he is—he uh, likes to do interviews with people from the food industry uh, or liquor industry, and they talk politics. They don't talk about the, the liquor. They don't talk about the food. They talk about you know dignitaries from these these businesses. How you know there's this person's involved in this winery and this. So it was a different creature, and I was saying, you know, I don't do that kind of show. I don't do that kind of show where we don't talk about the food. We talk about the minutia around food. But I said to myself that in order to do a proper show, you probably have to address that. You probably have to address, it's, it's a lot like uh, how we get diamonds. 
you know, you hear this horrible story about how they harvest diamonds. Well, there's a similar situation in these poorer countries where we're getting this, well, the world is consuming uh, fish from the ocean and we, the sushi is killing all the fish. Well, we're now in a situation where tequila's come to a crescendo and, it's, and everybody loves it so much that we're killing it. We can't get enough agave. So there has to be some falterol going on, you know, to kind of accommodate that business. But it's real. It's a real part of this. You have to address this and appreciate the fact that when you have uh, something like Four Roses or we have this tequila or mezcal coming from Mexico, that it's not just something that is ubiquitous. That's something that just keeps pumping out in a factory. It's finite. Let, uh, let me tell you. I'm going to cut you off real quick just to tell you one thing about this. Yeah. There is no more rare product other than agave spirits. Yeah. Whiskey it's all artificial. It's all made. If they say we only made this many bottles of this whiskey, yeah. it's because they chose to do it. They have yeah. enough corn. They have enough barley. Wheat. They yeah. have enough wheat. They have enough of all that. Yeah. In Mezcal, when they make these batches where it says that they made 112 bottles, it's because that's all of the agave that they had. That's all of it. They, they did all of it. And you may not have another production of it for another two or three years because it's not ready yet. And when it's ready, they're going to make another batch of that Araqueño, of of that, you know, Tobala, of that Tepestate, of whichever agave that they have. I don't even know have. what you just said right now, but, you know. we're gonna, You're going to know okay. by the end of the day. <laughs> but of all these different varietals, yeah. they have different agave varietals that take up to 20 years to grow. And when you have these ones that take up to 20 years to grow, they're going to cut them and make as many bottles as they can of this juice. And when they make this mezcal, that's what they have. So when you read on the back of it and it says 73 bottles, you're like, when those 73 bottles are gone, and it's also yeah. all, it's all wildly fermented because yeah. all their palenques, their distilleries are all done outside. It's all just wild fermentation. So when that batch is gone, the next batch, you can guarantee it's not going to taste anything like it. So, so they're vintages. Of so to say, yeah. And also agave ages in glass. So it has a different flavor. There's very few spirits that actually age in glass. You have like chartreuse that ages in glass. When you, if you get a vintage bottle of chartreuse, it's going to yeah. taste completely different than the newer bottle of chartreuse, even though it's still made the same way by the monks that a third of them know the recipe and nobody yeah, yeah. actually knows it and all that stuff. But um, with the agave in the mezcal, it is the rarest spirit that there is. So listen to me, all you yahoos out there who are spilling it like it's, uh, like it's growing on trees, uh, it's finite. It's just, it's just something to really think about when you're drinking... I, I think there there is a time to drink excessively where, you know, you're celebrating, you're having a good time. Maybe yeah. you're mourning and you want to and you want to feel something different. It is something that you you want to feel something different and it becomes a part of your body. It's a spiritual experience with alcohol it is something so beautiful when we're talking about this. Um, it's. It is one of my favorites. It's the one that I'm definitely the most passionate about. Like, mezcal. Yeah, mezcal in general. But I brought a few of them that my, not my blood brother, but like my brother, Aziz Cortez, his family helps import this and helps make it. Um, but Valentin, his father, is uh, an amazing mezcal uh, producer that has been doing this for years. His father did it. His father did it. They've been doing it for generations. And we have two different mezcals here that are actually, they're the same Ceniso mezcal. It's made in Durango. And the only difference is this one. So it's the same agave, but we're going to have one of them that is their pachuga. And if you haven't had a pachuga mezcal before, it's one that's normally reserved for celebrations. It's one of them that you would drink when somebody is being born, when somebody's dying, when you see like a very close friend, when somebody gets married. It's a celebration mezcal. And this one is very special because in this one, they sacrifice a deer in this one where it has, it's distilled with a deer heart. 
That's why it has the heart on the bottle. So it's with a deer heart in the distillation along with plantains, uh, apples, oranges, all types of fruit that's done in it. Okay, so let me back the truck up. This is your friend? Yeah. Okay. And it's in this town. What, what town is it? This is a Durango. Okay. So you, the, the, your friend has this distillery down there. Mm-hmm. And they're making this there. Mm-hmm. Do they make others? They, they make a ton of them. Okay. They, they make a ton of okay. different mezcals. But this one is, is fun because I got the Ceniso because the Ceniso is something that's very special. This is like a flagship mezcal. This is one that the Ceniso grows wild. They have a lot of it that grows all on their land that they have. Um, normally, when you think about Durango, Mexico, you think about cattle because uh, I think a huge amount of the steak that we get is from Durango. That's what okay. Durango is known for is their cattle. Um, but the they also have the deer down there and they have a lot of different wildlife down there. And that's where instead of the traditional way that you do a pachuga where it would be with a hen or like a chicken, um, they would put a chicken in there and do it. Now, with this one, it is done with the deer heart. Okay. So what are we going to experience with, with this one? The one with the, you said, of a celebration. Mm-hmm. What's the experience there? Do you, I mean, do you have a kind of, can you identify what that is? I'm, I'm being it's, serious. I don't, I, yeah. With, with everything, I feel like the experience is how you feel. It's, it's all your own okay. personal experience. Okay. Um, and also, it's something that um, through the years of drinking mezcal, something that I've learned myself is that there's no, like, if you were to go and say, oh, I have, I taste this, I taste that, I taste this, there's no straight, like, flavor that you taste with mezcal. It's all how, it's how you do it. It's how, okay. it's, it's all just, it's all just mezcal and it all okay. tastes great. It's all something that was made in small production. It's something that if you took a trip down there and us being blessed living in Southern California, you could fly down there and back for less than $500 and you go down there and you can hang out with them and see them. And like, I taught them how to shotgun beers down there when I went down there. Okay. okay. <laughs> like, I mean, but we're, we're all hanging out and I'm seeing their culture and watching how their family has been making mezcal for generations. And it's so amazing. And the, the feelings that you feel after drinking this stuff and really it it's consuming it, but it's also it becoming a part of you. It's like you, it being in your body and also just being like with you consuming it, it's a different uh, feeling that you have. And I just, I love the experience of drinking it. When did you go down there last? Uh, the last time I went was earlier this year. Um, I think I went down there in, I think it was April. Uh, I usually go down around my birthday. Um, I'm pretty sure I went down this early in April. But like I said, I go down there. Oh, sorry. You know, there's knife rules uh, when you hand somebody a knife. He, sorry. He just handed me a knife and he handed it to me closed. And I just was reading about this. If somebody hands you a knife closed, you sh- you're supposed to return it closed. If they hand okay. it to you open, you're supposed to return it open. I didn't know that until a few weeks ago. Well, I heard, I heard a rule too. Yeah? If you give someone a knife, they have to give you a coin. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's what I heard. Huh. And well, again, these are all, we made these yeah. up. Someone made this up. If you don't give them a coin, it breaks the friendship. Huh. That's what I understand. So we're about to try some mezcal. We're going to try the Origin Raiz Ceniso Mezcal. And this is made with the heart of, an, of a deer. Well, we're trying just the one that this is their, the flagship. It's okay. not okay. with okay. the heart. Got it, got it. So this is just the Ceniso Agave. And when we try this, we're not going to necessarily say like, oh, I taste this, I taste that. It's more just you taste mezcal. And, it, and it, it, you consume it. It goes into your body. And it becomes you. And instead of getting drunk, you get mescalated. <laughs> and also with this, uh, we're, I'm going to teach you a different way of saying cheers. Poisoning you. This is a, like a, a give thanks to Mother Earth, to the gods, for us to be together and consume this together. I told you you changed my show. So anyways. Dishbe. Dishbe. Hmm. 
Mm. It's just delicious mezcal. Okay, it, the 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 smokiness is less. Mm-hmm. And I smoke cigars, so this should. Now let me understand: Is this the same uh, agave f- for mezcal as it is for tequila? Uh, it's a different. So they have different species of agave. Okay. So something that I would like you to do also: take uh, if you have any drops in there, take a little bit of it, put it in your hands. Do you have a drop or two? I have a few drops in mine. Yeah, here. Okay. And then rub your hands together. Get it, get it to where it's close to dry, and then smell your hands. Mm. And you're gonna get more of that raw agave flavor from there, mm-hmm. where that's where you'll smell a little bit more. Yeah. Because it opens up as the as the alcohol evaporates. Do they store it in wood? This, no, there is no wood storing at all. It's it's part of the, the smoky flavor that you have and all the flavors that you have are from the actual plants. Yeah. Um, now, Oh, the roasting? Yeah, the roasting. But it's okay. also, this is where when we're talking about like uh, barbecue earlier, yeah. um, tequila is done in ovens where mezcal is done the way of like the like the Hawaiian pig roast where they, yeah, they do it underground and they smoke it. So they smoke the agave okay. instead. So... We just had the Ceniso. It has a little bit of a smoky flavor like we were talking that about. There? It is. Let me yeah. See that. It has a little bit of a like a smoky flavor, but that's just what the agave tastes like. And this is the batch that they have. And you can read on the back how many bottles does it say that they made from this batch? I wish I could read it. <laughs> um, I can I can check it out. You better. Yeah. Yeah. So on this batch that we have here that we're trying this is bottle number 347 out of 1,193 bottles. So that means that this bottle that we're drinking, they made less than 1,500 of these. They made 1,100, almost almost 1,200 of them. When those bottles are gone, that's it. And there'll be another year that will taste different. It will taste completely different. Yeah. That, that, so we got to think about that. Because when you're drinking something that's finite like that, Mm-hmm. You got to appreciate it more. Oh, yeah. You have to take your time with it more. So the next one that we have right here, we're going to be doing the pachuga that they have. Um, on the back of these bottles that they do with Oria and Raiz, they'll put why they made the mezcal. And so it'll say like for somebody's wedding or for somebody's birthday. Or okay. Now, this one does say on the back, it's for Mother Earth. This one was made for the earth to celebrate the earth that is giving them this. Okay. This is bottle number 467 out of 504 bottles. There was 504 bottles of this one made and they do this only once a year. Yeah. So it's crazy to think that you could, we're going to consume this and it's only got 500 bottles per year. It's crazy for the entire world. It's crazy. Yeah. So, can you tell me how that's going to differ from this? From the this one's going to have a lot bigger fruit notes. It's going to have a lot more oily finish from the deer heart that's in there. Okay. Um, and you're going to, it's going to coat your mouth a little bit differently. Um, but really, like I said, with Moscow, there's, in my opinion, there's no tasting notes. Everybody, okay. Okay. everybody has their own flavors got you, got you. that they taste. And it's all just Moscow. And it all, as long as it's produced in the right way, it all tastes fantastic. And we just enjoy mezcal together. Okay. So also when you're, ta- when you're smelling, what you want to do when you're tasting any alcohol, you want to open your mouth and you want to breathe slowly. Because this is all such high proof. It's different than wine. With wine, you want to stick your nose in there and really smell it, but it's lower proof. With this one, you want to open your mouth and breathe very slowly for higher proof spirits. These are all spirits that are in the hundreds. Um, you know, this this one that we're trying right now is a hundred proof. Would you do me a favor? Yeah. Would you pour me some of that water? Yeah. Just a little splash. Do me a favor, would you? Give, give me a little splash of that first one. Just a splash. Thank you, that's good. Thank you. Okay. They're totally different. Yeah, but it's the same. I mean, it, it, they do have the additives. It, that'd be like 
it's hard because it's like comparing gin to vodka. What is gin? Gin is just vodka that's infused with juniper and different spices. Um, so this one, it does have the different uh, the, the different flavor characteristics because it has all those fruits. And when you try it, it does leave that oily finish on your on your tongue. And then also, it's where this one right here is fifty percent alcohol. The Pachuga, the Ceniso is 48. So it's 2% higher alcohol, but it has, a, in my opinion, a lot more complex flavor to it. It has so much more like notes to it. This one does. Okay. Yeah. Because of all the additions that they have in there. Okay. Okay. So have you had yours? Dishbe. Dishbe. Boy, that is a, um, it's really different than the first one. Yeah. And these are not something that you would just throw back and do shots of. This is something that you have a few sips of, you enjoy. This is a celebration where you're enjoying and you're taking it all in. Let me shout to my wife. You would, you wish you were here. <laughs> No, I could actually drink that by itself. You you should. Yeah. I could drink it like whiskey. Yeah, you yeah. should. You should have a few sips of it, enjoy it. Yeah. And and also you should always share mezcal with friends. Always do it with people that you care about. That might be might be my new whiskey because it does have the, the, the fruit. There's fruit. Yeah. And you and as you taste more, that's another thing with tasting. Your first taste that you have, you wanna roll it back and forth on your tongue, move it around your lips and everything to coat your mouth. Your second f taste that you do, you you have a, a little bit more flavor, and it evolves as it's going. It evolves as the flavors that you have, yeah. and it's something just amazing. It is delicious. I, I I'm going to say this to you. Before I came here tonight, I was not. I was mezcal. Uh, I was I was against it. No way. Well, that's something when you were talking to Jordan when he came here, he was like, I don't really necessarily drink mezcal. I don't yeah. really like absinthe, yeah. but. I love this cocktail. The cocktail yeah. that he was talking about was one of them that was done by uh, Tom Beltran, one of our my manager here, yeah. and his that his cocktail that he has, it it's it's a, a twist on a corpse survivor, and it's with mezcal, and it's fantastic. But a lot of people see it and they're like, I don't know, like I'm I don't know if I'm a fan of mezcal. I don't know about absinthe. That's the one that makes you go crazy, right? And you're like, well. If you don't like licorice, you won't like absinthe, but it's the amount of wormwood that's actually in it. You would have to, you would die of alcohol poisoning before you had any hallucinogenic like effects of it. But that's one of Jordan's not a mezcal guy, but he loves that drink. Yeah, you're talking about absinthe. Absinthe. Yeah. Absinthe. Yeah. Absinthe is, I used to do classes on absinthe where I would teach people about absinthe. Okay. And it's, it's the most, uh, like, the, the biggest propaganda campaign that was ever in alcohol is all around absinthe. Um, it's absinthe is just wild. I could go on for hours about absinthe, but well, I saw that movie Girls Trip. I haven't seen this with um, oh god, what's her name? She's a comedian. Four ladies go on a weekend to Atlanta, mm -hmm. and uh, this lady, she's a comedian. I'm thinking of her name now. I don't know. Uh, she is on the trip. She goes. They're in, they're in New Orleans. Mm -hmm. She walks down the street. She goes down to this guy buying. She has, he has absinthe mm -hmm. for sale, little bottle, and uh, she he says put a little bit of this. And you don't need a lot, a little bit. Yeah. She just was going crazy with it for four ladies. And they, in this movie, uh, they're in a uh, disco or a nightclub, and they have uh, this out of control experience. So I think that doesn't help. That doesn't help. The, well, a lot of it's all propaganda that's... Uh, so the short story about absinthe, real short story. First of all, they were in, um, you said New Orleans. Yeah. New Orleans is where absinthe is like very predominant. Okay. And it's a big flavor. That black licorice flavor that you have okay. from absinthe yeah. is uh, huge. So you have the Sazerac cocktail. That's one of the first cocktails. Heard, yeah. It's Absinthe is a crucial part. If you don't have absinthe in your Sazerac, you just have an old fashioned with Peychaud's bitters. Okay. It's, it's not actually a Sazerac. You okay. have to have the absinthe in there, but absinthe is something to where you had a huge plague that went through Europe 
and people it, absinthe was never really big um but a huge plague went through europe where all the wine grapes were all being eaten up by these pests by these insects that they had and so they had to get rid like they just didn't have enough grapes they didn't have enough wine all the wine was pretty much gone and people still needed to drink if you've ever been to europe now me myself i haven't but i've heard about it uh when you're in Europe, like you drink with every meal, you know, you have a glass of wine. It's just very common. Um, so there was no more, they, they couldn't produce the wine. So what are people going to drink? And they had, they were, somebody said, well, we have this spirit absinthe that we make. And the difference is absinthe is traditionally about 50 to 60% alcohol where wine is normally 13, maybe like 15. If yeah. Yeah. Like a pretty crazy. Yeah. One. So people are over there just chugging absinthe and getting oh hammered. They're drinking two or three absinths with a meal. And you figure if you're drinking like four ounces of, of this, six ounces, yeah. eight ounces of this, compared to drinking a glass of wine, you're just tanked. And then anybody that's wasted is going to, I don't know if you've ever done it, but you drink enough and you're like, man, I saw some pretty crazy stuff. I, I experienced some crazy things like because you're just you're drunk. I've had I've had some nights, but I'm never like that. Yeah, I can't okay. say I've ever seen, you know, I, I've had times where I wake up and I'm like, what 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 happened? I don't know. And oh, wait, yeah, well, you mean you're yeah, like blackout. blacking out, blackout. Yeah. yeah, no, people unfortunately, like, yes. Yeah. So people were just yeah. like blacking out. And yeah. this is a thing that was when you were drinking enough absinthe, you, you were blacking out instead yeah. and not being able to finish your day. You feel horrible, man. Yeah. You're, and you're, you're jeopardizing your liver. Yes. I mean, no, no, no. Yeah. No, no, no. It's not good. No, no. Don't, don't overdrink, ladies don't. and gentlemen. No. Don't do it. Learn how to do it just like, hey, yeah. let's find out. Enjoy a, it. Find Have your fun. zone. Everyone's different too, yeah. by the way. But you know. what, what I'm getting at is with the absinthe, um, so everybody's drinking all this. They're getting way too drunk. And then... They get, they take care of the plague. They, the wine grapes are coming back and guess what? They have wine. Nobody wants to drink wine anymore because everybody's drinking absinthe yeah. and getting hammered. Yeah, right, right, right. And they're like, yes, I want to be drunk. Yeah. This is like what we were just talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they started saying you can't drink absinthe anymore because it, it messes with your mind. It'll make you go crazy. You have these people that are like famous artists that are cutting off their ears. Vincent Van Gogh. Yeah. Yeah. And and he was a crazy alcoholic to drink a ton of absinthe. You have people that go home and after drinking too much and they killed their wife and kids. Jesus. And they say, if you drink absinthe, this is what's going to right, happen right. to you. Propaganda. Yeah, all propaganda. And they said, if you do all these things, this is what's going to happen to you. This is why we need to make absinthe illegal. And so they made absinthe illegal. Right. And they created this propaganda campaign. And so everybody went back drinking wine. They always do that, though, right? And it wasn't until recently that absinthe became legal again. And a big part of it is because the people that owned all the wineries were all, of course, higher up. Yeah, yeah. These are all people. These are like the queen that owns wineries. That's always the all, game. Yeah, yeah. These people that are very important that own these wineries, and they're like, why isn't our wine selling? Right. And this is a time that you didn't really import or export wine either. This is a time that. Uh, like in the early 1900s, we didn't really like wine from Europe. And Europeans hated wine from America because we were sending it over. We were sending white wine over, and it's in these ships at these ridiculous temperatures where it just tastes skunked. Yeah. All the wine yeah. from there, when we had it, tasted skunked. Yeah. All the wine from here over there tasted skunked. Sure. Um, so this is so they weren't importing wine. They just didn't have wine down there. They just had they drank absinthe. And when absinthe became illegal, it was is because they created all these things. Now, we look back now and we say, well, how many times have you read a story? It's tragic to say where somebody overdrank and went home and did something bad. It happens all sure. the time. Yeah. It happens all the time. And this is just like one instance where they took it and they created this propaganda campaign and made absinthe illegal. And not until recently in the last, I think, 15 years has absinthe became legalized again. It's the same thing on every drug. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make a difference. Whether it's the uh, weed or whether it's uh, anything. There's yeah. always going to be people who mess it up for everybody. Yeah. You know, and uh, so it's just, it's, just, it's been the dawn of time. Yeah. You know, I mean, look, you can eat too much. Yeah. You can smoke too much. You can drink too much. You can, uh, you can 
fornicate everything too much. in moderation. Everything you can do too yeah, much. Yeah, so. everything in moderation. So. And that's how everything's fantastic. Yeah. Listen, brother, I'm going to tell you though, you have single handedly changed my show <laughs> because now my show has information, actual information. So I appreciate you, man. And Please, everybody, look this stuff up that I'm saying and learn more about it. If there's anything that I've said where you're excited about it, look it up. I know that when when we sat down, we said let's talk about Riviera. Yeah. And Riviera is a fantastic restaurant. I, I am biased, but Riviera is a fantastic place to go. And when you come in here, we're going to treat you like you're one of us. And we're all here to have a good time, to have a good meal, to have a good drink, to be entertained, and to escape reality. This is very much so, just like most restaurants, it's escapism. You go in there to whatever's happening outside of these doors. When you walk in, you it's something to where you can forget about everything outside of the doors. You are in a special place where you're taken care of and we're all just having a good time. When we started talking about doing this show, we talked about talking about Riviera and I love how it's evolved into being something to where we're talking about <laughs> Mezcal and we're talking about really about just caring about what you consume as much as I love fast food, but we're talking about caring about it and it also in moderation, but just having a good time and enjoying life. I think this is what the show is about, though. Uh, you know, my I always say in the, my pursuit is to eat, drink, and have a good time. And it's also about finding people who care the same. I don't think those people get enough uh, light, in my opinion. I think right now, the uh, I see a lot of things online where people talk about, you know, they talk about the best boba or the best, you know, uh, burger or the best. Yeah, I, I like those, too. But I think there's people that are not as exposed. They're not appreciated as much because they work in places where they do a, a, a fine dining or they do those. The other night we went to that uh, whiskey show and there was they were serving barbecue and they, there was this most beautiful picture. I showed you the video where this guy pulls out this uh, tri-tip from the package and it just looked incredible. That guy's an unknown hero. And your friend here at uh, Origen, Origen Raiz, yeah. uh, I've never heard of it. I, I would never hear of it, really, because I stay in my lane. I go to buy my whiskey. I buy some vodka occasionally. I buy beer. But I don't venture out into this area because my experience with it has been less than good. you know. But tonight, you single-handedly changed my opinion of mezcal and now i need to venture on and further find out what's happening in this area because i think the very possibly mezcal could possibly swap out for my whiskey love i think a lot of that also when you're saying that it goes into marketing and you could spend if we're talking to people that own or manage restaurants you could spend as much money as you want on whether it be ad space commercial space uh, flyers, however way that you want to market, uh, Instagram sponsored ads, Facebook sponsored ads. But at the end of the day, what's going to work best is word of mouth. Always. Yeah, always. And if you provide a service, if you care about what you do and you show everybody that you, you show everybody that love and your passion of what you have and you inspire them, kind of like how we've, you've just said, you are inspired by this mezcal. Yeah. Now you're going to go and tell your friends about Mezcal. Yeah. And then if you can do it with the same passion that I did, and yeah. if it transfers onto you, I'll they're going to tell their friends and then their friends. And before you know it, it's huge. And that's what the Riviera is. That's what marketing and restaurants are. Uh, like Screw Yelp reviews. Screw all the other stuff. Yeah. At the end of the day, you could go on and you'd be like, oh, well, this person rated this place one star. This person judged this place. They won best pizza in California. Yeah. You don't know any of the people that judge that. No. But if your friend or somebody that you know says, this place has great pizza, this yeah. place has a great burger, right. you're going to go there and you're going to try it. I, I truly, trust their opinion. I want to go to Friendly's right now. We're doing it. We're <laughs> well, going to. That's I, why we're ending this. <laughs> but listen, uh, let's end it for now. Only for the fact that I want to say this to you. Um, I'm, th this has been one of the best shows I've ever done. So thank you so much for having me, man, and, and introducing me to all this great stuff. And I, I, I want to do it again. So yeah. I'm going to get my video game together, my video uh, 
production better. Yeah. And when I get it together, we need to do something. To, we need to do some food. We need to do some liquor. Uh, there's lots more to talk about. I don't yeah. think we've even scratched the surface. So let's get the guy that makes all this. Let's here. do it, man. Bring him in yeah. here. And is he? You said he's here in town. He's in town for the next few months. We need to do that. Yeah. For sure. And let me get my video game together, though. Yeah. But uh, let's close off for now because uh, we have to go. Thank you again so much for having me. It was a great time, great conversation. I think I, I don't know about you guys. I hope you love it, but I loved it. So we're gonna sign off for now. But before we go, yeah. look, let's say where we are. Let's give let's give it the Riviera we, Supper Club. We are at the Riviera Supper Club in La Mesa, California, at seven 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 University Avenue. A uh, little bit more towards East County. Uh, it's not necessarily in North Park. It's not necessarily downtown. It's the farthest east, in my opinion, that you can go and get a good drink and a good meal. And if anybody believes differently, please come at me. Please do. <laughs> I would love to go and have your your old fashion that you have in El Cajon or in Santee or in Lakeside. I love those areas. I grew up there. And but. you know what? You've inspired me to adventure in those areas as well. So, yeah. look, uh, we'll be talking to you soon again. Thank you for listening. Uh, be nice to each other. We'll talk to you soon. Cheers.